This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with a ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome into Oski Talk. My name is Drew Pastoric. I'll be joined by Plez Honeywood, my colleague at the Champagne Room here in just a moment. We are ready for football season. Week zero already has kicked off. We've seen Notre Dame in action and like 3% of the population saw future Big Ten stalwart USC in action thanks to the uh, glories of the Pac-12 network or Pac-4 network. And you got to see Hawaii Vanderbilt as some late night action on Saturday night. So, you know, something for everybody. But <laughs> but week one is upon us for most of the college football consuming universe. It's going to get started in earnest this upcoming Saturday. Plez will join me to discuss the Toledo matchup. And we'll have some roster conversation, some scheduling conversation. Really, really good stuff to get you primed and ready for football season. Before I get into that, I just want to remind you that Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. Liddyville is a clothing and accessory retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of product, creativity, and cultural understanding. You can check out Liddyville's player and alumni line. All purchases benefit either current University of Illinois athletes or alumni organizations and charities. So you can get your officially licensed merchandise today at Liddyville.com. Want to bring in my friend, my colleague, my very good pal from the Champagne Room, Plez Honeywood. Plez, how you been? I've been excellent. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. Ready for football. Hard to believe that uh, all the buildup, all the... Preseason chatter is over, and we are ready to go. Saturday night, under the lights in Champaign, the Fighting Illini taking on the Toledo Rockets. The ramp up is pretty much over, and we're ready for actual game competition to start here in the next few days. How are you feeling? I'm enthusiastic about the season. I'm excited about Toledo. I think Toledo is a great barometer opening game because this is not a cakewalk situation this is a as we've discussed a couple times this is a real program with real talent and an excellent coach so i'm interested to see how the Illini, who should win against Toledo, to see how they perform against some solid competition in week one indeed yeah we'll do a much deeper dive here in the next several minutes and throughout the show today uh, but before we get into that, uh, one of the spotlights are Illini of the Week. Now, we used to do this at the end of the show and just kind of stuff it towards the end as filler. But I, I think it doesn't really give those other student athletes, those other teams and programs justice. So we're going to lead off the show by doing kind of a weekend review of the Olympic sports or non-revenue sports, however you want to call them. Uh, let's start with soccer. Ladies on the Illini soccer team actually kicked off the athletic year last week with a victory over Loyola of Chicago, and they kept that winning train moving this past week. They upset 17th-ranked Xavier, a 1-0 win over the Musketeers. I believe that was on Thursday night. The fourth straight season, Illinois has started 2-0 to begin their year. Leah Howard got her first career goal, scored that in the 42nd minute, and then the Illini were able to stave off Xavier in the second half. I think there was only one shot on goal the entire game, so a, a clean sheet, as they say in soccer parlance, and the Illini getting a W there, starting their year 2-0. and 
It's a young season, still lots of games to go, but always want to start off on the good foots, literally and figuratively there. And let's move on to volleyball as well. Volleyball starting their season over the weekend. Won their season opener against NIU. That game was in DeKalb, so a road tilt to start the year against the Huskies. And you know, the the season started off a little shaky for the Alana. They dropped an exhibition game to Eastern Illinois last week. Something about those preseason matchups against Eastern Illinois. We seem to have trouble with that, regardless of sports. I don't really know why. Uh, but Illinois able to shake that off and get a four-set victory over NIU. Lost the first set 25-22, but won the final three sets, 25-19, 25-22, and 25-21. So some tight games uh, during that match, but Illinois able to get victory number one on the season. Raina Terry with 19 kills to lead the Illini. She now has 129 for her career in orange and blue. So a nice road victory to begin the 2023 campaign. And if you are a volleyball fan, you have a chance to check out a lot of action in Champaign this upcoming week. Illini host Valpo at Huff Hall on Tuesday, Wichita State on Friday, and Illinois State on Sunday. So if you're an Illini fan or a student, make sure you head to Huff Hall and check out the Illini and some volleyball action this week. Plenty to feast on, and that's just a nice little appetizer before getting into football on Saturday, Plus, Yeah, I got of the women's soccer is beating all the Jesuit schools. So uh, if Loyola Marymount or Boston College or Georgetown wants some smoke, come to Champaign. You can get it, too. Yeah, does Gonzaga have a volleyball team? They're Jesuit too, I believe, right? So yeah, they can, uh, they can come they, on down. They can they make are, that. Uh, I'm certain that they do. They can make that three thousand mile trek or wherever the hell Spokane is. They might be in the Big Ten in the next four years anyway, so they're probably gonna get used to that. <laughs> um, Les Honeywood joining me on Oski Talk this week. So I just wanted to lead off the show with recapping the other sports that are in action. So. Wins for soccer, wins for volleyball. Hopefully that's a prelude to a win for football as we get into it here. Plez, as we said at the start, the season is upon us. The time for talk is over. Not really, but as far as what can we expect, we'll find out here to some degree on Saturday. The Toledo Rockets visiting Champagne, a primetime matchup Saturday night on Big Ten Network. Want to start with some of the things you can read and see at the champagneroom.com. Going to get started with Adris, one of our newest members of the Champagne Room. He's put together a couple of really good pieces already. And this one, I think, also fits that bill. He has a list of six underrated Illini entering the season. Some players he feels are not being talked about enough. I won't spoil it. I want you to read the piece. I think it's extraordinary. It's excellent. But I want to point out one on defense and one on offense. Plez, uh, I know you read it as well. The former walk-on wideout turned defensive back. Could be a safety here, uh, getting some good reps here week one, Plez. Yeah, he definitely is in that mix to get a starting spot and play a lot of snaps. I would. I was a little concerned about the safety position because of all the transfers that were added in the offseason, that's a little bit concerning. And now Matthew Bailey's injury lingering into the regular season, that's something that concerns me. What's his ramp-up going to be when he is back healthy, ready to reintegrate himself into the lineup? But as far as Miles Scott, I don't want to accidentally slip up and say Xavier Scott, because Xavier Scott will be starting in the secondary as well. But Miles Scott's, it's a great story, kind of not exactly the same, not apples to apples, but Kirby Joseph was repping at wide receiver and had played corner and had played safety. And then Ryan Walters shows up like, nah, man, you're a safety. And what happened? 
that one good year, he's and now he's going to be a starter for the Detroit Lions. He's displacing Tracy Walker in their starting lineup. So good on him. Scott's in it, you know, Miles Scott's an interesting case because he is a smaller player than a lot of the players they've recruited more recently. So hopefully his ability to step in won't impact the, their ability over the top on big plays. Absolutely. And, um, but another player that Adrice mentions as we go to the offensive side of the ball is one we're familiar with, and that's Casey Washington. Yeah, and, and you've alluded to Casey Washington as well, Plez. A lot of hullabaloo, of course, about Isaiah Williams and his preseason laurels, and then Pat Bryant, and then Malik Elzey. Those have been the three kind of the most talked about. But Casey Washington's been here for quite some time, transferred, and then got convinced to return to Illinois. He still definitely has a role. But Adris pointed this out, Plez, and... Did you realize that Casey Washington has zero career touchdown catches? Because I did not realize Casey Washington has zero career touchdown catches. Like for as much as he has done, and he's known for that catch in the, the 9-0-T game against Penn State a couple of years ago, he made that winning reception. He has yet to haul in a touchdown pass in his career at Illinois. That is a fascinating bananas stat to me. Yeah, it's a little surprising, but considering his role, it's not that surprising. He's been the receiver emblematic of some of Illinois' weaknesses in the red zone. And I I think that zero touchdowns is uh, a little bit surprising on ultimately, considering all the catches he's had, all the targets he's had, all the quarterbacks he's had throwing to him in that time period. But I think where Casey Washington might be more valuable this year is as kind of a mentor to Sean Miller and Colin Dixon, who are similar receivers physically, who are versatile, who can be good possession guys. I think if Casey Washington can up his game that'll kind of elevate his leadership role in that receiver's room. And then when he moves on, that room will be ready to move forward without him. And he's been a valuable player overall. It's I want to be fair. He has been a valuable player in spite of the non-scoring. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Like you said, not saying that he's not valuable whatsoever. It's just kind of a, a weird stat. You know, someone that's been here for three years and has, you know, had the amount of catches he's had. He's never found the end zones. I, I think Luke Meyer, Luke Altmaier is going to try to change that, I would suspect. And yeah. hopefully just gets it done against Toledo on Saturday, and then we'll just pretend like that whole thing never happened. So you can read Adrice's column against six underrated Illini. He's got three on offense, three on defense. And you can take a look, see what you think, agree or disagree. Read it at thechampagneroom.com. We mentioned Casey Washington, and we mentioned – that Penn State game, Penn State, of course, on the Illini schedule this year as well to be the first Big Ten game. It's coming up on September 16th. Matt from the Champagne Room put together a, a really good piece as well. The most important game of Illinois' season. And he outlines it. He structures it very well, saying, you know, he puts the caveat if, if Illinois beats Toledo and Kansas, Illinois could be ranked heading into that matchup on the 16th. Illinois was 34th or something like that. They were receiving votes in the top 25. So presumably there's going to be some kind of chaos the first two weeks of the season. Some ranked team will get clipped and other teams will have a chance to move up. Illinois, if they beat Toledo and Kansas, would certainly be in that discussion, I would suspect. Uh, and this would give Illinois a chance to show out even more that they can that they can stack up against the premier competition in the Big Ten. Illinois played pretty well against Michigan last season, probably should have won that game. Um, and obviously they beat Iowa and Wisconsin teams that would normally stand in their way. And of course, they had that matchup against Penn State a couple years ago, that 9 OT game in State College. This would be a great chance for Illinois to, as Matt puts it, silence the critics, 
show that they can stack up against the bigger fish in the Big Ten. It would be the Illini's third top 10 win as well since 2019. Had those the game against Wisconsin, the game against... Um, oh, no, it would have been Penn State, 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 State in 21. Yeah, it would have been Penn State in 21. Yeah, duh. So that would have been their third since 2019 if they pull that off. And look, a lot of the national folks are on board, man. Greg McElroy has been talking about Illinois on his podcast. Josh Pates, who's one of the big college football personalities for 24-7, he's on board. He called Illinois the the quietest, sleepiest, sneakiest division contender in college football. So the national folks are aware. This isn't just a couple of Illinois homers that are saying, well, you know, they really have a shot to do well. Other people are taking notice of this also. And um, it, it's exciting. And Josh Pate you know, pointed out that that clip was shared on Twitter. He points out, look, Penn State might be really, really good, but you're sleeping on them going to Illinois. That's their first road game of the season is going to Champaign week three. Illinois is going to be ready, win or lose any of those first two games. They're going to be prepared. They're going to be ready. But Matt goes into really great detail about what that would mean. And then, of course, you've got the reactionary crowd, the comments of, game's important. What are you talking about? Take it one game at a time. Don't overlook Toledo. And that's not what he was doing. That's not what the piece was. One of the first things in it is, if they do this, then this is going to be important. But not important just for wins and losses. It's important because conference realignment and all the other stuff that's been happening, you want to show that you can compete with the best in your conference, that they are peers of yours. You're not just a doormat. You're not a bottom feeder, that you can be a competent relevant team in the future. Penn State has been on the national stage nonstop for multiple generations. Illinois has not. To Matt's point, this game is a would be a significant moment for Illinois. For Penn State, it would be an early season loss they can shake off. For Illinois, it would be a momentum builder in at the Smith Center, in the Big Ten, on the recruiting trail, this win would be gigantic. And it would take some of the pressure off later in the season when they have tough games against Wisconsin, Iowa, etc. It takes some of the pressure off if they have a win in hand against Penn State. It's a program win if they can beat Penn State this early in the season. So uh, give that article a read as well. Matt put it together earlier in the week, you know, detailing why he believes Penn State is the most important game on the schedule. You can call it clickbait if you want to, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. So make sure you check that out at thechampagneroom.com. And then uh, before we get into your article, Plez, Mike Farmer, another one of our new guys at the Champagne Room, talked about the defense specifically and what it takes for them to kind of help Illinois ascend even further, that Illinois is going to still lean on the defense the way they did a lot last year. And can't really argue with it. You know, you got the law firm, you got two tremendous defensive ends or defensive linemen, I should say. You've got Gabe Ackes, you've got a secondary that's transitioning, but still has a lot of talent there. What did you take away from Mike's piece about the defense was one of the things that I, I appreciated was that when he talked about the D line, he didn't just focus on the law firm. He talked about T. Rye Edwards. And the funny thing is, T. Rye Edwards might not even be the other starter on that D line. I've heard that uh, Denzel Daxon, Daxon, yeah, yeah, transfer from Ohio University, um, the school that uh, gave us uh, John Gross has been doing a really wonderful job in in camp and in practice, et cetera. So if 
if it's a rotation the same way it was with Avery and Edwards last year, I thought it was a pretty effective rotation. I would be fine with that. I, I my only concern, or my I should say my only my biggest concern is there's when you play in the Big Ten, you play teams with big physical tight ends and big physical receivers, and Illinois secondary is going to be smaller height wise this year. So is Illinois going to be as effective in those situations? Now, now granted, Taz Nicholson is a smaller guy, but I wouldn't want to run into him in a dark alley. Like he's he's <laughs> tough. He's he's not backing down from anyone and i love that you know when when matthew bailey is healthy i know he's not afraid of anybody or anything you know i I think tyler strain has enough speed to make up for some of his mistakes but he's generously five foot ten so that's my only concern is the physicality but overall i do think this defense has potential to be really good again this year it's hard to forecast them being as good as last year because last year was unreal yeah that's yeah even if we think illinois is going to be better overall and i think most of us concur that they will be maybe not necessarily wins and losses but i think we expect illinois to still be somewhere to the level they were last year that level of achievement but the defense like to expect that that's not reasonable expectations you can't expect them to give up, you know, 9.7 points a game or 11, whatever it was, uh, and be, you know, the, the best secondary in the country, number one or two scoring defense in the country. That might be an, an anomaly. doesn't mean they're not going to have a really good defense. If they were top 20 in the country or top 15, I think we're going to be pretty freaking happy with that. So uh, I, I think, you know, losing all that talent from the secondary will affect them. Does it mean that they're going to just be terrible and it's going to be like, you know, the Lovey Smith defenses giving up, you know, 700 yards a game? Absolutely not. But I think, you know, you got to temper those expectations a little bit. The front end is as good as it's been. The the back end might have some struggles at times. And and we'll get to that as we talk about Toledo here later. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that they can still sore and the defense can be just as fearsome it might be more fearsome on the front end this year than it may have been in the secondary maybe you maybe you'll try to throw a little bit more this year than last year when teams just basically just said we got no shot we're just going to give up on that side of the ball maybe we'll try running it a little bit better you might see the inverse of that this year maybe they'll try to test those corners test the secondary more and say Let's keep it away from number four and number 88. Let's keep it away from those two guys. And that 17 guy is pretty freaking good, too. Let's try to, if they're going left, let's try to go right. Yeah, my, my, my big concern with the, the front seven is, you know, there, there's good depth on the outside. Because, if you know, I, I'm using Hackis and Coleman. I think they're both going to be really good. This year, and I do like Alec Bryant and and Jared Beatty. I love them, but after after Tira Edwards, a lot of the depth and said said McConnell, I think, is ready to be a contributor. But after that, there's it's a little thin. So Illinois, while their starters on both sides of the ball look really competitive, in a couple spots, they're one or two injuries away from. Having from having the game plan differently, and I hope it yeah. doesn't ever come to that. Yeah, it just takes one injury. Look at you know, Matt Bailey as an example. One injury from having to make some tricky decisions that you may not want to make. So good work from Mike Farmer spotlighting the defense at the ChampagneRoom.com. To that point, we know about Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. They were both preseason All Americans. Randolph was third team for Athlon, fourth team from Phil Steele. Johnny Newton, pretty much across the board, first team All-America. He's an AP first team All-American. So ESPN, Athlon, 24-7, just to name a few, they're all on board with that as as Johnny Newton being a top-tier talent. Pro Football Focus actually rated Johnny Newton as their number eight player in college football, the eighth best 
player in all of college football. And that's talking about, you know, Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, Drake May, like some really, really talented guys that are going to put up huge numbers. Pro Football Focus was very fond of Spoon last year. They raved about Devin Witherspoon, all their metrics, all their grades were saying, you know, A, A plus, top line talent. And we saw what happened with Spoon. Maybe some foreshadowing there in, in the best possible sense. Uh, Plus, before I get to your article about expectations and you know players in the roster, I do want to remind everybody that Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. Liddyville is a clothing and accessory retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of product, creativity, and cultural understanding. You can get officially licensed Illini merchandise at liddyville.com. They have a player and alumni line where all purchases benefit either those athletes or alumni organizations and charities. So you're really getting some nice threads from Liddyville, but you're also supporting athletes, both current and uh, past as well. So you can go to Liddyville.com, place an order, sign up to be a member. You can get customized orders, tons of awesome stuff there at Liddyville.com. And we thank them for their partnership here on Oski Talk. Joined again by Plez Honeywood from the Champagne Room. And we sort of alluded to this last week on the show. You're going to be penning the pre-game articles, pre-game columns. I know it's not really a newspaper thing, but columns, blogs, articles, whatever you want to call them. You're going to be doing that on Fridays. And another tremendous piece by you on the roster being ready for heightened expectations that a lot of these guys were part of the team last year. They got a little taste of it, and now they're trying to just keep things moving, keep building for the future. And you highlighted several players and recruits that either we didn't see last year that often or at all that could have a major influence on this year's team. So I wanted your thoughts on that. Just a little bit of, of detail on that article at the champagne room. Yeah. So uh, I've, I've seen the way the roster construction is gone and it's, it's exciting in, in large part because before with during the lovey Smith years, we might look at some of the starters and be like, okay, this is good. But if someone gets hurt, we're in trouble. And inevitably, Somebody would get hurt, and then there would be trouble. This roster is built where, with the exception of a couple positions, and those are the positions where it's hard to develop depth, in general, this is a solid next-man-up roster. And I think that we have some some young guys on the Illini roster who didn't really get to make an impact last season, which is perfectly okay, who look to be poised for, for bigger roles. And I'm not just talking about Malik Elzey. Because that one's an obvious, you know, new guy coming in, mutant freak athlete with the mental understanding of the game. That's probably going to go pretty well if he stays healthy. I mentioned Sean Miller earlier. He's one of those receivers who just does everything well. And he's a good route runner. He's intelligent. A player like that, learning from Casey Washington, who's a very similar player, you know, and when Colin Dixon a year behind them, like that's going to be a good mix of of young, reliable talent in that room. I think Josh Geske on the O-line is another one who we don't really talk about that much. And rightfully so, Brandon Henderson has gotten a lot of the oxygen in looking at the hype for the season as in, have you seen this guy? And do you know what this guy could possibly do in the NFL one day? Like the, the excitement about Brandon Henderson – is ridiculous, but Josh Gessie is just a solid, great work ethic dude who might be the starting right tackle when Illinois lines up against Toledo next week. And that would be that'd be great. That would be a great progression, quick progression of one of the O line recruits that Bielema got after his controversial comments about O line talent in the in the two D from the previous regime. And finally, just Jared Beatty, 
is it was a big recruiting win. Wisconsin, Tennessee were definitely deeply in the mix for him. And he chose Illinois. He's a Plainfield kid from Oswego East who's got all the physical tools in the world, all the speed to be an impact edge rusher. Yet because Gabe Ackes, Seth Coleman, and Alec Bryant are on this roster, he's the fourth guy. But don't be surprised to see him and Kanena Odaluga on some crazy pass rush overload blitz schemes that destroy some quarterbacks in the Big Ten this season. So those are some guys who I think are a little under the radar who could really pop this season after after sitting and learning. I think they'll be ready to take a bigger role. Yeah, thank you, Plez. Yeah, I just I just wanted to take a second and and show some some appreciation because I, I don't really do as much of the writing anymore. This is kind of my baby. This is my bread and butter now doing the hosting thing and and all of that. But like we're just trying to be something different than everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can get stats and box scores anywhere. You can get recruiting analysis anywhere. We have some of that, but maybe not to the extent that other places might have. Um, if you want, you know, the beat reporting, you know, the boots on the ground type of stuff. We do some of that. You know, we we were at the, the volleyball game in DeKalb the other night. We'll be at, you know, football games, taking photos and live tweeting and doing all that other stuff, you know, but. We just try to be an alternative. We try to blend all of that together into one nice little package. And I think that uh, a lot of our guys do a, an exceptional job of filtering that information in an easy way to understand it while still putting you know, opinions in there and data and humor. So just wanted to show my appreciation for you, Plez, and the rest of our brethren at TCR as we embark on this uh, this new frontier as we head into football season. Yeah, it's a great time, and I'm I'm glad that I get to even be a small part of it. Yeah, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show. We did a lot of the uh, the pre stuff, the preamble, so to speak, but now we're going to talk about Toledo, the Rockets coming into Champaign week one. So the Toledo Rockets. If you don't know much about them, they are the reigning, defending, undisputed Mid-American Conference champions from a year ago. Brett Bielema referred to them as such during Big Ten Media Days. He was asked about Toledo, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, I'm going to talk about them the way I talked to them with our players, and that's Mac Champs. I'm going to call them Mac Champs. So Brent Bielema is not sleeping on them. He's not taking them lightly. They're going to be ready to play. But this is a really, really solid Toledo program. We've mentioned it before, Plez, a couple of times here in the past few weeks. They've got five first-team All-Mac players, five second-team All-Mac players, and three third-team All-Mac players. So we can talk about Illinois being recognized within the league, within the Big Ten. And those guys have certainly earned those laurels, earned those accolades. But Toledo, you know, the MAC is a very underrated football conference. There's a lot of good football played in the MAC. You might not see it on Saturdays because they play mostly on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. But the MAC is loaded with talent. And Toledo is a great example of that. They are. And, you know, Daquan Finn is going to be one of the more athletically gifted quarterbacks the Illini play against all season. And there's, it was surprising that he came back to Toledo this yeah. season because you, you would think that he, that, you know, with the port, with portal being what it is, that he would have been a highly sought after player in the portal. Now, I know he, he had more turnovers last season than the previous season. I, I get all that, but there was more on his shoulders and he's extraordinarily talented. And again, we've, we talked about Jason Candle who has the profile of the guy who's going to get the next big Midwest power five head coaching job when one becomes available for whatever reason. So while Illinois does have more talent and 
Brett Bielema has been there and done pretty much everything. Don't look at this game as a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. Illinois should win, but if the line on that game got to, let's say, eight by kickoff, like if there were a lot of money coming in on Toledo in the next few days, it would not shock me in the least. This is a good ball club. And I know Bielema will get his guys ready. That's that's why I have confidence. I know that they're not going to overlook Toledo either. But, man, that's this is going to be a headbanger of a season opener for the Illini. Yeah, I, I agree. And just to go to Jason Candle for a second, he's put together a pretty good record, 54-32 and 32 at Toledo, which, again, I think a lot of, other power five teams would be interested in that <laughs> to your point. He goes back a ways. He played at Mount union, which if you're a real football sicko, you know, Mount union is one of the elite D three programs in the country. I think they've got 18 national championships, something like that. Jason candle was a part of a couple of those both as a player and as a coach. So he comes from a background of winning and success. Jason Candle went from Mount Union. He was the OC at Mount Union to a tight ends coach at Toledo. He's been at Toledo since 2009 as an assistant, now as the head coach. So we've talked about Matt Campbell, Tim Beckman, uh, I believe there's another before him that I'm my name's escaping me right now, but they've been a really good program for quite a while. And Jason Candle is one of the best coaches in the country. Now, well, he's an Ohio guy, so maybe he wants to stay at Toledo and keep that thing moving and, and build them into a powerhouse. I, I don't know, uh, but he's a tremendous talent in the coaching profession. And then he said, you just kind of, it's, it's that attitude. It's that culture, right? You build that culture of winning. Players want to follow that. Um, you mentioned Daquan Finn, too, the quarterback. I had made some notes about that. You know, He is a true dual-threat quarterback, can do damage through the air and with his, uh, his legs. 4,400-plus passing yards in his career, 1,200-plus rushing yards, and 59 touchdowns in his career. So... Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised as well that there wasn't some larger conference school trying to pick him up and, and bring him in because that's and he's not like some slight guy either. He's like six foot two. It's not like he's, you know, five eight or five nine. He's not built like, you know, a Kyler Murray or something where he's, you know, pretty undersized. He's got a lot of talent and two of those receivers are second team max selections um they've got a, a running back jacques stewart who's third team all max so offensively they've got some dudes that illinois is really going to have to focus on yeah this is going to be a big game for illinois inside linebackers like i'm interested to see how odaluga and dylan rosiak and Tariq barnes handle handle a quarterback like finn and a running game like what like what Toledo brings to the table are are they going to employ a spy methodology against Finn? I, I know that I know sometimes Illinois runs kind of a a three three you know, kind of that, that three three five or that three two six whatever you want to call it. They run a lot of different. They give they give multiple looks. So this will be where we see how Aaron Henry and Ryan Walters differ as defensive coordinators. I'm interested to see the game that Aaron Henry calls. And I also am interested to see what kind of impact Jim Leonard from up in, from as the, I, I don't, I don't, he won't, he won't be traveling necessarily with the team. But for home game. Yeah. <laughs> Him, that's yeah. a pretty good eye to have up there. So I'm, I'm wondering how that impacts how they try to corral Finn, because again, it's a tough matchup. Illinois is playing some pretty good quarterbacks early on weeks one and their first two games, you know, Finn and, and Daniels, that's, those are two tough guys to corral. So I'm intrigued to see the game plan that Aaron Henry comes up with. It'll be his first game as D coordinator. And 
I think we'll get a good indication of who he is leading a defense pretty early on. Yeah, I mean, if we go back last year just briefly, Illinois, if there was players that they struggled against defensively, it was those dual threat immobile quarterbacks. I mean, even the even the guy from Wyoming, I forget his name, but you know, his passing numbers were terrible, but he had some nice big runs like the guys that can move outside the pocket gave Illinois some trouble last year. Casey Thompson played really well for Nebraska and then he got hurt. You know, those those mobile quarterbacks, it's always a, a tricky assignment cuz you you got to watch the ball and you know there's I'm sure that'll get mentioned on BTN at least 17 times during the broadcast, especially if it's a blowout and they got to fill stuff to talk about. They'll mention that. So I just thought that was kind of cool that you have a guy who's a D1 wide receiver and his brother just happens to be one of maybe the 10 best players in college football as a defensive lineman and is probably going to be a first round draft pick. Yeah, when you're when your older brother, when you're the black sheep of the family because you're just a division one wide receiver, that says something right there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, my brother, he's you know six three and three twenty. I'm only six one and you know one eighty five or whatever he is. But uh he's a he's a damn good receiver. Transferred from ball state, so he's been uh, he's played a lot of football. Um but that's uh, that's going to be an interesting thing to see. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Just doing some research for the game, I was like, ah, Jerwan, Jerzan, like, oh, I yeah. wonder. And I just went through yeah. the bio, and I was like, oh shit, like he actually is. <laughs> I yeah. didn't think the, I was actually going to see it. The apostrophe in the spelling of both names, like I, I didn't make the connection, but I saw that it's in the I, same place. Reading, yeah, yeah. When I was reading about three, I was like, wow. That's that's an intriguing coincidence, but yeah, I guess it's more than just an intriguing coincidence. <laughs> and I thought it was a coincidence too, and I was like, oh, they're both from Florida. Like that could be a coincidence, also. Like there's a lot of talent in Florida. Newton's a pretty common name, and I was like, oh my god, there it is. So, uh, just a cool little added thing to that game. Uh, switching to Toledo's defense here, real quick, because I think this is important. We've talked about Illinois secondary, Les. And, you know, what we expect to see from them. This is the secondary on Toledo's end. That's very, very, very good. They've got uh, Quinion Mitchell, all Mac first team as a corner. They have two all first team Mac safeties, Nate Bauer and Max and Hook. So they're not going to just lie down. You know, they've got some studs in their secondary as well. And that's a matchup that I'm very intrigued to watch is Illinois receivers, tight ends, et cetera. And Luke Altmeyer throwing the pill, how that's going to work against a, a talented Toledo secondary also. Yeah. I, I think that the level of depth Illinois has at wide receiver will probably as good as Toledo secondary is. I don't, I don't think that they're going to shut down. Illinois receivers and Luke Altmaier. I think that they'll make some plays. It won't, they won't make it easy, but I'm, I'm confident in a senior Isaiah Williams and a senior Casey Washington and Pat Bryant making, making big plays. And, you know, maybe, maybe we get a little Sean Miller, Malik Elsey in the mix, you know, maybe Hank Beatty in the slot a little bit. I, I like maybe Canary Wilcher getting behind the defense. All those names I just named, would it shock you if any or or several of those guys made plays as good as the Toledo secondary is? It wouldn't. No, so I, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And and so I, I think that while they will present a challenge, I think Lunny, with, with his use of misdirection and kind of, you know, option routes, et cetera, I think that Illinois will be able to game plan against that particular, you know, against that secondary. What would intrigue me is to see how the Illini backs are used in pass catching roles, especially especially on third and short in situations like that. Like not I should say third and short, third third and medium, third and three, third and four-ish in that in that range. You know, do you use Reggie Love to, you know, as a receiver or 
because I don't know how much you're going to throw to their tight ends. But yeah, I think that might be their best answer to an aggressive ball hawking, talented secondary is there might be a lot of checkdowns. You, you notice how much Tommy DeVito checked down. And it wasn't because he couldn't throw the ball beyond the line of scrimmage. It was because that's what teams gave him. So yeah. let's see what let's see what they give Altmeyer. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. I, I'm interested to see what Luke Altmeyer does. I mean, that's we sort of knew in the offseason, like you're not bringing this dude in to be somebody's number two quarterback. Like you're not bringing him in to be a backup. Like you're just not. Like Leary might be really, really good in a couple of years. Trey Petty might be really good in a couple of years, but you're you're bringing in Luke Altmeyer to be the guy. It's just there wasn't a lot of tape on him to look at to say, aha, he's the guy. But he was the guy. And even Brent Bielema, who's you know, I don't want to say glib, but he's you know, he's not gonna tell you he did this last year. He was like, he wouldn't even say if it was gonna be Sitkowski or DeVito to start the year last year. He's like, what, do you want to come play quarterback? Do you want to be a starting quarterback? Like he was being, you know, just being very playful and cheeky about it. And he wasn't doing that this year, though he said he was very confident about the quarterback room and he felt as good about that position as he has since he's been at Illinois. He still didn't really leave the door open for somebody else to be the starter. He mentioned Paddock. He mentioned that he liked Leary. He's been in the system for a couple of years, but it was mostly about, Luke Altmeyer. The receivers were talking about Altmeyer. So we knew it, it was not this, you know, shielded secrets. <laughs> Luke Altmeyer, the national media seems to be on on him. They seem to like him a lot. I said Herb Street thinks he's gonna just crush it and take Illinois to a next level. But incrementally we've seen this under Bilama. You had Peters and then Sitkowski was there. And then, you know, DeVito was there. Sitkowski was the safety blanket. And now you're at Luke Altmeyer, and Art Sitkowski is coaching him. So it's just, uh, it's, it's been this interesting chain of events that's happened that's led to this point. And we don't really have a lot of reference. We don't have a lot of tape to review from Luke Altmeyer because he was either QB2 or QB3, depending on the week, depending on who was there at that time. So, um, his development, his approach is really going to make a huge difference, in my opinion, for Illinois, not just against Toledo, but moving forward. If Illinois wants to win the Big Ten West, and I think they're certainly as equipped to do that as anybody else is, but there's a lot of good quarterbacks that have been inserted into the picture in the Big Ten West now. There's, It's not the same type of game that we're used to seeing, you know, even Iowa is bringing in a quarterback from Michigan and bringing a tight end from Michigan. So they're trying to diversify their portfolio, so to speak. Wisconsin bringing in Tanner Mordecai to basically run the air raid for them and Purdue bringing in Hudson Card, a guy that, you know, Illinois was in pursuit of in the portal as well. And Graham Harrell, from Texas Tech, who's known as a pass first, pass second, pass third kind of program. You know, Mike Leach was like, if you're running the ball on third down, you're wasting a down. So, well, I'm intrigued by that style of offense. That's the kind of offensive football I like. I don't like that other teams in the Big Ten are trying to embrace that while Illinois is also ascending. Uh, Barry Lunny's a good offensive mind, a really good offensive mind. And I think Luke Altmeyer is going to be a pretty good quarterback, but no matter how good the defense is, right. And we think they're going to be really good. It's just like the NFL. You can win games with a really good defense, but you need that quarterback to put you over the top. If, if the quarterback play is subpar, you're just not going to be able to win consistently period. Yeah. Shout out to our guy, Brent Dolce for, for breaking down why Illinois is going to win the Big Ten West and yes. and have a ten win season as he so boldly predicted, and a lot of the, a lot of that comes down to Illinois will go as far as Luke Altmeyer's right arm will guide them. If if something happens to Luke Altmeyer, it's hard to say that a John Paddock led team 
is going to win the Big Ten West. It's hard to say that a, a Donovan Leary-led team will win the Big Ten West at this point in time. I'm not, I'm not talking about what Donovan Leary can become. I'm just saying yeah. right now, if he were the guy, then he'd be starting right now. So I have some confidence in Luke Altmaier. What little we've seen of him, the tools are pretty loud. We know, you know he can move. You know he's got a really good arm. I like his ability to throw on the move. I like his ability to throw on the move even more in Barry Lunny's offense. Because let's remember that, you know, last year, Tony Peterson is the one who picked Tommy DeVito. So this time around, Lenny got to pick his guy. And he picked Altmaier. Yep. That tells me what I need to know and how much confidence I should have and what Altmaier can bring to, to Illinois football this season. Now, Plez Honeywood from the Champagne Room joining me on Oski Talk this week. Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. Liddyville is a clothing and accessory retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of product, creativity, and cultural understanding. They also have a player and alumni line where all purchases benefit either current fighting alumni athletes or University of Illinois alumni organizations and charities so you can get your officially licensed merchandise today at liddyville.com and we do thank them for their partnership all right Plez. so we've talked a lot about the roster and and football uh, leading into the season opener illinois by the way a nine point favorite that line hasn't budged a whole lot the last couple weeks it was 10 and then nine and a half and now it's nine it's been pretty steady at nine espn they're FPI thing, whatever it is, uh, gives Illinois a 75-ish percent chance of winning, like 75.6 or something. So obviously we're expecting Illinois to win. I think if Toledo wins, that's going to be a an upset of some magnitude. It's not, you know, Appalachian State versus Michigan. It's not that, but it would be kind of a a whoa moment. Um, but I'm gonna we're gonna switch things up a little bit here, Plez. I wanted to have some fun with you on the show as we get towards the end. Um, we've discussed NIL at great length, name, image, likeness, and from a fan perspective, one of the things that got us very excited, very pumped about NIL was the potential return of the GOAT franchise, in my opinion, and that is NCAA college football, the video game. If you're of a certain age, and Plez, you and I are, Brant Dolce is as well. A lot of the guys at the Champagne Room might be, but essentially, if you're like 21, 22, 23, like if you're a current student or younger, you don't really have vivid memories of this game. I think 2014 was the last year of it, and a main reason for that was due to name, image, and likeness. The the lawsuit from about a, a decade or so ago and the NCAA, I guess, answered that lawsuit by not allowing players or schools or likenesses to be used in that game. And EA Sports was like, well, fuck this. We're just going to shelve the game and not do it. And it's been a while since I've read the story, but there was smoke out there that EA Sports was willing to pay players back then, even you know, 10, 15 years ago. They were willing to give players a cut because it was profiting off them. And the NCAA was like, no, it's futurism. We don't want to do this. We don't want to go down that path. It's a slippery slope. You know, they don't they didn't want to deal with that. They didn't want to mess with that. But they're like we are not going anywhere near players getting paid. Nope. No chance in hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. But now, because NIL is a thing now, it's trying to be legislated somewhat to curtail just the whole straight-up pay-for-play thing, which we know is happening, even though they say it's not. We know it is. There is this groundswell and EA sports has revealed that they are going to have the game, I believe as early as 2024, but you have to have current players and current 
schools and current rosters in order to do that. Most players have been on board with this, but there have been a few high-profile players, Les, that have spoken out. Uh, Caleb Williams is kind of the most recent example of this. Reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And there was something on Twitter the other day about him not really signing up to do this because it was going to be just like a kind of a, a catch-all, like a flat fee thing for players to get paid for this. And he's basically like, uh, nah, it's about value, right? That's what NIL is all about. That's, you know, it's, we're talking about this now with, with the NFL and collective bargaining and the value of running backs versus, you know, offensive tackles and quarterbacks and wide receivers, like they're being devalued. So like their contract value is going down. These other position players values seem to be going up. Caleb Williams is trying to, I guess, I don't know, like ransom his way to a larger payday or something. And it's like, this is where I think NIL, I think where players kind of overvalue themselves. Now to me, I think Caleb Williams is a hell of a player, but he's missing the mark on this entirely. And I think this is why I'm saying if you're of a certain age, you don't really remember how the game works because people would just download updated rosters all the time and use guys and make them look like a certain guy and give them their name and their stats and, and would jack up their attributes to 99. And it's like, you're only talking about this dude being in this game as an active competitor for a couple of years, right? Cause if he's a junior, you're not going to have Caleb Williams on USC for nine more years. So you're not going to be using him for more than this one season if you're playing like a dynasty mode or something anyway. Stop me if I'm not making sense, Plez. My question for you in that situation would be, why is that Caleb Williams' problem? What do you mean? There's no such thing as overpaid, right? You are paid what the market will bear, what the market right. will, will pay you. If Caleb Williams thinks this isn't necessarily a good use of my name, image, and likeness as a college football player because I am Caleb Williams and this just makes me one guy in a video game, okay, so what? Yeah, like that's I don't have a problem with it. If he wants to yeah. back – if he doesn't want to do it, I'm fine with it. I'm just saying, like, I think the point I was trying to get to was that let's say – and I don't know what – they're going to pay these players. Let's say it's a dollar just to make it easy. Every player that agrees to be used in this game, they're going to get a dollar for every copy we sell of this video game. You're going to get a dollar. We're talking tens of millions of dollars getting doled out to each player. So that's, that's all I was talking about. I don't mean, I'm not saying that, he shouldn't get a certain amount of money. He's earned that and then some, and he's at USC where he's going to get oodles of money if he wants it. All I'm saying is, if you think it's not worth your time, that's cool. But like, the people that play the game religiously aren't going to care that you're not doing it. So they're going to create a team or they're going to build you on USC's roster anyway. And presumably they're going to want to play as you or someone with your similar skill set. So it's like you're because of the payout, you're going to say, no, this isn't enough. Like I said, if you get a dollar for every game they sell, you're going to be raking in millions and millions of dollars. So I just think in that particular aspect of things, he misses the point a little bit. Yes. I understand quarterbacks are more valuable than punters. I'm not questioning that at all. He's one of the most scintillating, sensational college football players of this generation. No doubt about that. But I think we're we're missing the boat here a little bit with the NIL stuff. Like EA Sports is going to make their millions with or without you. So if you decide not to do it, that's cool. But if I'm me, if it was me, like I'm not going to turn down $10 million because it could have been 20. That's all I'm saying. 
Sure, and 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 I I can respect that. If if you if you in that if you were in that situation, you'd rather handle it differently. I get that. I don't have a problem with Caleb Williams thinking otherwise. And as someone who used to play, you know, NCAA football back in the day, um, I loved it. Even without without the players' names, we kind of knew, like we we kind of could figure out who number fourteen was or who yeah. number twenty eight. We could figure it out, and the older, the oldest editions where you, they didn't have any names, like what, what they, they would give you little Easter eggs. Like there would be two offensive tackles from the exact same city who were six foot six, three hundred twenty five pounds. It's like, oh, I'm recruiting twins. It's nice. I like that. Like, like, the, <laughs> like the the game itself was so much fun, no matter what. Yeah. I, I don't think the gameplay experience is harmed by the closest thing that we've seen to Patrick Mahomes saying, nah, I'm good. Like, no, it, I agree with now, that. I agree. Now, yeah. Yeah. So, so my point is as, as a player of the game, you don't lose anything. And if Caleb Williams thinks it's not worth his time, that's his loss. And he has the right to make a, to make a bad financial decision. NFL players have been making bad financial decisions for themselves for a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a 30 for 30 on that. Isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I think Bernie Kosar, who I think Bernie Kosar featured pretty prominently in that. And he was on some really good college teams and then was a starter for, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, a competitive Cleveland Browns franchise. I, I think they were pretty good. Yeah. In the eighties and the eighties, the Browns were yeah. right up there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were for, they had, they had a moment They had they had a moment where, where they kept, they kept losing to the Broncos. It was it was great football. It was really entertaining. But my, my, my point is, I see where you're coming from. It's like, is Caleb Williams missing the point? Possibly. But that means maybe Drake May won't miss the point. And he'll be like, yeah, go ahead. You know, I'll, I'll take that. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll try to think, who are some other quarterbacks? J.J. McCarthy, right? Might, might be like, hey, yep. I'm, I get the point. When you were Arch Manning. Luke like, Altmaier, you know, who knows? Yeah, sure. yeah Luke Altmaier, uh, I mean, Trey Petty, obviously, duh. But, you know, it's, <laughs> if, if Caleb Williams was to make that choice and it doesn't work out for him, okay, that's fine. That's that's his responsibility. I'll tell you the one player I know wishes they could be in this situation right now more than any, it's got to be Kyler Murray. Because, because if he, if he would have known that, he could have made a bunch of money in college being a video game character. That would have been like the dream life for him. Of course, he also had a four point something million dollar signing bonus from the Oakland A's, so it probably didn't matter as much for him. I was gonna say, uh, you know, Johnny Manziel might have been a, a good candidate for that as well. Yeah, Johnny Football making the yeah. money sign on the sidelines. You're telling me that he's gonna say. Oh, well, I'm worth an extra $10 million. No, he's going to be like, dude, give me all of that. So, I mean, I guess we're looking at it from different points of view, but I think we're making the same point. Yeah. Like, my point is EA Sports is going to go on with or without you, Caleb Williams. It just seems odd to me that you're like, I can make more money without this game, which I think is kind of silly. But if you want to do it, that's fine. Like, you're going to get... You're you're soon to be making hundreds of millions of dollars, either from your NFL contract or endorsements or both. Plus, you're probably making ten to fifteen million dollars, I would suspect, in NIL money anyway. So, I, I just I would think that as a if you're a twenty year old kid and you're money motivated, and that's what a lot of NIL is, is I'm going to go to this school to play because I can make money. Wouldn't you want to make more money if you were in a video game? Like, that's just the whole point I'm trying to make. Get your bag and make the most of the situation. Like, players 10, 15 years ago would have creamed in their pants for that opportunity to get paid. Yeah, how, 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 about, uh, how about the Fab Five for the basketball? The, their, their jerseys would still be hanging in Ann Arbor, Michigan if that were available for them completely completely so that that's all i'm saying as it we're we're approaching it from different sides i think we're both coming to the same conclusion like it's not yes. going to hurt ea sports at all but it's a little short-sighted in my opinion 
sure, especially sure. for someone who's just trying to make money. You're going to make more money if you're in the game than if you're not in the game. So I just thought it was yeah. kind of interesting. If it's in the game, it's in the it's game. It's in the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So I think that that's going to kind of wrap up our our time frame here, Plez. Uh, real quick, did not get a score prediction from Toledo, Illinois. What are you thinking? Um, I'm assuming we're all on board that Illinois is going to win. We might have some predictions here later this week at the Champagne Room, but what's what are you thinking there? I may I reserve the right to change my mind before the game, but as of right now, I'm I'm going to go Illinois twenty seven, Toledo ten. Plez is down for twenty seven ten, in favor of the Fighting Illini. I just hope both teams have fun. <laughs> We'll have some Capri Sun and some orange slices afterwards, and we'll just all get along very, very well. That's my hope for the game. Do I think they will cover the minus nine? Yes, I do. But I think it's going to be something kind of late in the game. I think it'll be tight and contested early, and then I think the better team, the more talented, the physically more talented team will impose their will at the end of the game. Brett Bielema, even if Caleb Williams was his quarterback, is still going to want to run the damn ball. And they're going to run the damn ball until it is not possible to run the damn ball anymore. So I think that that's, especially if the game is close, because we know Brett Bielema will do this. If the game is close, he's going to use the running game to drive it home. So I think that Illinois will cover the minus nine, but I think you'll see a, a very close game in the first half and then Illinois will pull away late. That's my prediction. You'll probably get more of those at the champagne room here. Usually those come out around Friday leading into game day. Again, we do appreciate you listening to Oski talk. Appreciate you showing us love on social media as well. And we appreciate uh, all the, uh, the following, all the uh, the likes, the clicks, the reads at thechampagneroom.com. Tons of great Illini content for you. And we've done this all throughout the offseason, but now the offseason is over. Time to get stuff going for real. And we're getting into actual competition. Couldn't be more excited about it, Plus, It is time. Tis the season. I, I am so ready for of a great season of college football. And I'm, I want again to reiterate, I want our fans to get hyped and stay hyped for this program, all the love and support. I know it means a lot to the young man on the field and the coaching staff leading them out there. So yeah, pack the house every home Saturday. It's going to be a fun ride. Absolutely. Les Honeywood. Thanks again for the time, my man. And we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. ILL. I and I.